0: You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Lauren Bober once again completely abandoning the Constitution and embracing Christian nationalism. Televangelist Shane Vaughn losing his mind over the January 6th hearings. Nick Fuentes, political ally of Marjorie Taylor Greene, laying out exactly what he wants the country to look like, a Christian nationalist hellscape. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hi, Owen. This is Master Jeep. I just wanted to let you know that, well, really, I had a question. Have you heard about anybody committing suicide because
1: Trump didn't make the presidency? Because I actually just found out recently
0: that a guy that I work with, he was a crude extremist. Every time he saw me, he had something to say about Trump. And since I'm a black female, he always threw in Obama in there for some odd
1: reason. But anyway, I just found out recently that he committed suicide the day after January 6th. Because of Trump, he left a suicide note. And he was a good man. And I think it's really sad. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, that is really sad. I agree. I wish that we could find some way to pull these people out of the deep, dark hole they found themselves in. Just the the deep extremism that they have dug themselves into. Or that others have dug them into. In my opinion, human life is the most valuable, precious thing in the universe. Nothing more valuable than human life. And I hate to hear that somebody lost their life. I wish that we could help them find their way out of extremism. You know, this should be a good object lesson. Nobody should be so invested in any one person, that they're willing to do that if things don't go the way they think they're supposed to go for that one person. That's the kind of thing you generally only see with religious movements, people getting so deeply emotional over somebody or something like that, that they'll, they're willing to go to those lengths. It's the kind of thing you only see in religion for the most part. It's really, truly deeply sad that religions and politicians are manipulating people to the degree that they are, knowing that this is going to be the end result for some number of those people. Really sad stuff, man. Nobody should get that involved in anything. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's an exception for, like, a family member. If a family... You, you can love a family member that much, I, I guess, and that's okay, but loving a political leader that much, that's, that's not healthy, dude. That's not healthy at all. Hey, Owen.
2: This is Jeff from... Uh just outside las vegas nevada um i've been calling i've been following you here for a long time
0: i'd be willing to bet that they said just outside of las vegas because if they tell anybody which town they're actually from they're like where's that never heard of that so to simplify things they just say just outside las vegas it's like if you tell somebody you're from mesa arizona they have no idea what you're talking about or where that is but if you say just outside phoenix it makes sense kind of funny sorry for the diversion uh, let's keep listening
2: just outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, been calling. I've been following you guys for a long time. Uh, you're the, actually the main reason I study cults nowadays. And I was kind of curious what your thoughts on in, is for in the Jehovah's Bible, the the verse John one one, what says the word was a god, implying that they are polytheistic. And it, given your background in the Jehovah's Witnesses, I was just kind of curious on that when they say that they're monotheistic. Um, I appreciate. it. Thanks
0: so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's an interesting question. The Book of John was written hundreds of years after Jesus' death. They were not contemporaries by any stretch of the imagination. The original gospel writers did not believe that Jesus was God. They did not believe in the Trinity. They didn't believe... They were monotheistic. But the person who wrote John, which, by the way, was not John, the person who wrote it was... One of a line of people, a new line, basically, at the time, that they were starting to believe in the Trinity, basically, at that time. It was the beginnings of it. So they kind of wrote that in there to lightly imply that it was like a Not necessarily monotheistic, or they wrote it to imply that Jesus was God, basically. Like I said, not reflected by the other gospel writers, from my understanding. Nobody who was actually a contemporary with Jesus actually believed that, including Jesus himself. He did not believe that either. So, the Trinity is fake. It was fake then, it's fake now. When you really sit down and try to make sense of it, it's impossible, and it was definitely a minority of people who believed that Jesus was a God. So anyway, that's my understanding of it. If you want to read more about it, there's more information. Bart Ehrman has talked about this. He's a Bible scholar, incredibly knowledgeable on this subject, really knows what he's talking about. He's talked about the Trinity and and whether or not it has any kind of biblical basis. It doesn't. Uh, Just look him up on YouTube. It's pretty interesting. Uh, hey Owen, Um, this is Quentin from Indiana and I wanted to just, uh, let you know that it's even worse than, than you thought with the Kent Hovind, uh, series being shown to just homeschooled kids. They were also being shown in private schools, uh,
1: because they showed them in our science classes and they watched that instead of
0: actual factual videos in, uh, I think it was sixth or seventh grade so set out for a great life anyway uh just wanted to tell you uh about the experience is actually worse than you thought have a good one yeah i appreciate it i've actually heard a lot about that lately a lot of people have been telling me like they saw it in this circumstance or that circumstance like Kentoven seminar series if you haven't seen it it's on my telltale unfiltered channel i've been uploading my debunks of it there. absolutely unhinged stuff like, the the guy just straight up lies about things. He just makes things up completely. He'll be talking about, for example, some old explorer and talking about how he claimed to have found a dinosaur and all this stuff. No, he didn't. He never claimed to find a dinosaur. Ken Hovind literally just makes this up. Like, there's no basis for any of this. He just makes things up completely and, and claims it's a fact. It just blows my mind how brazen he is. And I know, yeah, kids are watching this stuff. Even today, not just in homeschool environments, not just in church environments, but in private schools. And I've heard some people tell me, also in their youth groups, I've heard some people tell me that their public school teacher was encouraging people to watch this stuff too. You know, this is how many years ago, who knows? But absolutely disturbing stuff, man. Kent Hovind is in no stretch of the imagination a scholar and should not be respected by science or anybody else, basically. Hey Owen, uh, this is Mark from Oregon. I guess I kind of just wanted to know your opinion about why you think uh, different
3: religions, uh, specifically uh, Abrahamic and specifically uh, right-wing Christian groups, tend to target lgbtq people uh not that you ask, but in my opinion as a queer person i think it probably has something to do with the ability to control people and queer identities somehow interfere with that but i guess i want to know your take on it since uh, you've had a lot more time to research this stuff than i have
0: yeah i appreciate that it's an interesting question generally speaking As people get more controlling, or as groups get more controlling, they tend to other people. They want to separate you from everybody else. They want to put you into a new category of good and others into a category of bad. They'll pick off as many people as possible. Jehovah's Witnesses try to other people based on whether or not they're Jehovah's Witnesses. So you've got the worldly people, And you've got God's people. You can see this happening in the U.S. too. You've got all these different groups, all these different demographics. And then at the very top are the white, Christian, cis, straight men. If you don't fall into those categories, then you tend to fall beneath them somewhere in the hierarchy. It's a way of control and it's a way of making people feel better than others. And those two things, control and superiority have been in humans since the dawn of time and will probably continue for a long time to come. But we can fight it. We have to continue to fight it and call it out every time we see it. That's how we stay with our enlightenment roots, by calling out the corruption when we see it. Next one's an email. Title is Response to Short Asking for Article. Hello, your video references a study in which people's brains think of themselves when they speak about what God believes. The article is blank. I I do request you not say my name on air if you do read this or something. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, Uh, last week I talked about an article... I couldn't find it at the time. I did end up finding it. I appreciate you linking that to me. But the article basically says when you scan somebody's brain with a, like an fMRI, for example, you can see different parts of the brain light up based on who somebody is thinking about. So if you ask them a, a belief question like what does God believe about morality or what what does Jim believe about morality does jim think that being gay is wrong you can see a certain part of their brain light up right and when you ask them what do you think about being gay do you think being gay is wrong you see a different part of their brain light up so parts of the brain that light up are different based on whether or not you're talking about what you believe or what another person believes right when people are asked what does god think about being gay, or what does God think about this or that, you would think that the part of the brain associated with what other people believe would light up, right? But that's not the part that lights up. It's the part of the brain associated with what they believe. So ultimately, God's views on moral issues really are just other people's views on moral issues. They aren't looking to the Bible to find God's beliefs or God's feelings on these issues. They're looking in the Bible to find their beliefs in it. That's ultimately the point of the article. I appreciate you finding that for me and letting me know. Next email is from CJ. Title is Recent Cat cur Video. Hello, Owen. I've been watching your content since the early days before you showed your face, but this is the first time I've reached out. I really, really, really enjoy your content. I've learned a lot from you over the years. Thank you so very much. I watched the recent Cat cur video, and it got me thinking. I came from a Chinese background, but not mainland China. We have this body of folk beliefs that is asyncratic amalgamation of buddhism taoism confucianism and other folk beliefs we believe that our ancestors live after death in some kind of underworld hell exists but that's not where most x people are the living descendants make sure they are well taken care of by burning paper effigies of mansions, jewelry, money, cars, etc., and there are ceremonial rituals where living people can leave their bodies to see their ancestors in this afterworld to see if they're doing well. More information here. Interesting. Joss paper. It sounds almost exactly like what Kat Kerr is describing, minus the god part. I'm sure that Kat Kerr has never heard of Chinese ancestral worship, but it's amazing how similar the two narratives are. I wonder if it goes to show how man-made these ideas are, because we're all the same people. We all want that same kind of peace of mind. Anyway, thought you might find this interesting. Keep up the great work, CJ. Yeah, I appreciate it. That is really interesting. Chinese religion is particularly interesting to me, because didn't they nationally ban religion for a long time? And I think it, isn't it still banned technically? Isn't it like a nationally atheist country, technically? But there are still a lot of, religious people who just don't really practice it much or aren't really public about it from my understanding this could be wrong i'm no expert but i believe that buddhism is considered to be the most practiced religion in china but i'm guessing it's probably actually like a mix of all this other stuff buddhism taoism confucianism and stuff that's really crazy right it does sound really similar to kat kerr and her whole belief system but Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if she had read about, you know, some of these folk religions or wouldn't surprise me if she had read about and tried to incorporate some of these ideas into her ideology. Uh, She is an odd character. That is for sure. Taiwan and Hong Kong don't really have any bans on religion. Only mainland China bans religion, last I heard. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I was thinking, too. It's pretty interesting. Next, we're going to talk about Lauren Boebert once again completely abandoning the Constitution and embracing Christian nationalism. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, TelltaleAtheist.com. Lauren Boebert has always been a little nutter butter, but she's going completely off the rails at this point. Check out this new clip from Lauren Boebert where she's talking about the Constitution, separation of church and state, and how she feels about them.
4: The reason we had so many overreaching regulations in our nation is because the church complied.
0: The reason we have so many overreaching regulations in the U.S. is because the church complied. Interesting. Inherent in that statement is the idea that the church is automatically far-right and anti-regulation. She's already setting up an image of what she believes the church to be and excluding any churches that don't fit in with that view. Any churches that are pro-LGBT Any churches that are pro-choice or love people rather than hate them, they're not real churches. She's automatically setting things up to be viewed that way. Not even going down the route of Muslim churches. Not even talking about Jewish churches. We're talking strictly Christian churches here. She has a very specific, narrow view of what a church is. If it doesn't fall into that category, it isn't a real church in her view.
4: The church is supposed to to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That is not how our founding fathers intended it.
0: That is just simply not true. That's a simply disturbing level of Christian nationalism in my mind. The church is supposed to direct the government.
4: Intended it. And I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk that's not in the constitution. It was in a stinking letter and it means nothing like what they say it does. Amen.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So uh, what what is the separation of church and state is my question. What does that mean? What does she mean it was in a stinking letter, quote unquote? We're going to get into exactly what that means, and we're going to talk about where the term came from and what the Founding Fathers actually intended. Separation of church and state is a term that I think was coined by Thomas Jefferson, right? The Constitution has something called the Establishment Clause in it. And the Establishment Clause is in the First Amendment. Let's just read it. This is the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This is the section we're talking about right here. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. That's specifically what the Constitution says. Now, the Supreme Court is there to interpret what the Founding Fathers meant or intended or interpret the Constitution to give us more rights or protect us from the government generally. The Constitution is supposed to be a permission slip. What is the government allowed to do? In this case, it's laying out pretty specifically that the government is not supposed to regulate religion or get involved in religion in any way, right? We don't have to wonder what the founding fathers meant in this case because we know exactly what they meant. Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter to Danbury Baptist Church explaining exactly what the First Amendment meant and what it was about, and what it was for, and how it was supposed to be interpreted, and all of that stuff. So I wanted to just kind of read through the letter to Danbury Baptist Church in Connecticut. This is on Politico. Title is Jefferson Signs Danbury Letter, January 1st, 1802. So that was... Wait, when was the Constitution ratified? Is that 1787? 1788 is when it was ratified. So this is... 14 years after the Constitution was ratified, that's when the letters to Danbury were written and signed. Let's read this article and see what it says here. President Thomas Jefferson, writing to members of Danbury Baptist Association in Connecticut on this day in 1802, stated that the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution created a wall of separation between church and state. That's where the term came from. The association had been founded in 1790 as a coalition of about 26 churches in the Connecticut Valley. Its leaders had written to Jefferson to complain that Connecticut's official religion, Calvinist Protestants had founded the colony, infringed on their own religious liberty. Whatever religious privileges we enjoy, they maintained, we enjoy as favors granted and not as inalienable rights. So there was a state religion. The state was pushing a religion down people's throats, and it was a Calvinist Protestant religion that was doing it at the time. And Danbury Baptist felt like they were hoping that the Constitution is going to protect their right to practice their religion freely and not be interfered with by the Calvinist Protestants who were running the, the government in Connecticut at the time. Let's keep reading. Jefferson did not offer the group any explicit help in overturning the Connecticut law, except to say that he expects to see the progress of those sentiments of religious freedom. The state did away with its official religion in 1818, so that was 16 years after these letters. However, he sympathized with the Connecticut Baptists, writing, "...believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions, I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people, which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Adhering to this expression of the supreme will of the nation in behalf of the rights of conscience, I shall see with sincere satisfaction the progress of those sentiments which tend to restore to man all his natural rights, convinced he has no natural right in opposition to his social duty. So, there was a state religion in Connecticut. The other religious groups in the area didn't like that, and they set out to try to prevent religion from getting involved in government anymore. This is a Baptist church that tried to do this and succeeded. That's what the founding fathers believed. They didn't want religion involved in government at all. She says it's a stinking letter. No, it's the Constitution. And that's what the Constitution writers meant when they wrote it. It's like her just dismissing one of our rights. It's like her just completely ignoring a piece of the Constitution, The Constitution says we have a right to protection from unreasonable search and seizure. It's like her saying, it's in a stinking letter. That part of the Constitution doesn't even matter. No, it does. It does matter. That's a right. This is a line that the Constitution says the government cannot cross. This is part of that permission slip. The government is barred from searching us unless it's reasonable, unless there's some specific good reason to do so. The government is barred from jailing us for expressing our free speech. The government's also not allowed to incorporate religion into it. It's not allowed to force religious views on anybody. It has to stay perfectly neutral. That is part of the Constitution. That's the point here. And in that spirit of remaining completely neutral, it's allowed to prevent religion from forcing its will upon other people. So it is allowed to regulate religion if it's to prevent religion from forcing its will on others. It's not just in a stinking letter. It's part of the constitution. It's part of our unalienable rights that were specified when the constitution was written. So here's my question, where did this come from? Listen to this claim she makes here.
4: ...of this separation of church and state junk that's not in the constitution.
0: Where did that come from? Where did she hear that in the first place? Separation of church and state isn't in the Constitution? Yes, it is. Those specific words aren't in the Constitution. It's called the Establishment Clause. But separation of church and state is used to describe the Establishment Clause. So where did that idea come from? I've heard this from like a billion people. Josh Mandel was his political candidate. He said the exact same thing. We should be instilling faith in the classroom in the workplace,
3: and everywhere in society. The secular left, the ACLU, the Southern Poverty Law Center, a lot of these Soros-funded organizations, uh, they, they advance the argument that the separation of church and state exists, and for that reason, you can't teach kids about religion. My personal feeling is there's no such thing as separation of church and state. The framers of the Constitution envisioned a country where, in the classroom, kids would learn about God.
0: Josh Mandel was running against J.D. Vance in Ohio, and he lost. J.D. Vance won. Now I remember. J.D. Vance isn't much better, but that's beside the point. So my question is, where did this idea come from? That the separation of church and state isn't even in the Constitution? I have traced it back to this guy named David Barton. If you're unfamiliar with David Barton... This is him on screen right here. This guy is mentioned by Kent Hovind through his entire seminar series. Uh, If you haven't seen the seminar series, I've been going through it on my Telltale Unfiltered channel lately. Give it a watch. It's kind of interesting, I think. The link is in the description if you want to see it. But Kent Hovind talks about David Barton, like, a lot. As it turns out, he pretends to be a constitutional scholar. He is not, by any stretch of the imagination, a constitutional scholar, like not at all. But listen to this, June 1st, 2016, as far as I can tell, this is where the claim originated. Not not from 2016, but he's been saying something similar for decades since, like, the 90s, basically. Listen to this.
2: So, say there's some religious activity in public. Maybe somebody wants to pray over their lunch at school and they're told they can't do that, and they say, well, you can't do that
0: because of separation of church and state. Okay, somebody wants to pray over their lunch at school and they're told they can't because of separation of church and state. Now, that doesn't make any sense. If somebody wants to pray over their lunch at school, whether it's a teacher or a student or anybody at all, they're perfectly free to. Nobody's stopping them. The separation of church and state does not prevent them from praying in school. Do what you want to do. What you can't do is lead students in prayer as a representative of the government. That would be a violation of the separation of church and state. But see, he wants to take something that is innocuous and not a big deal and nobody cares and turn it into this big thing. The movie God's Not Dead did the exact same thing. That whole movie was based on a faulty premise. If you're unfamiliar with God's Not Dead, it's like Christian persecution porn, basically. This teacher is asked a specific question in history class about a specific biblical verse, and the teacher answers the student in context. That's not against the law at all. That's perfectly fine. But God's Not Dead in that movie, the big evil ACLU comes after the innocent Christian who wasn't doing anything wrong to anybody, and she gets sued and just all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyways, that's what he's doing here. He's taking something that's not against the law at all. That's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Pray if you want. Go ahead. Go nuts. And he's making it out to be this big point of persecution like you're not allowed to. Nobody said you weren't allowed to pray. You're perfectly allowed to pray anytime. Just don't lead students in prayer. That's the problem because
2: of separation of church and state. Is that what separation of church and state really means? They will say yes, here's-
0: No, it's not, at all. I'm they and I say no, that's not what separation of church and state is. Yes, here's the way you respond
2: number one, where does that phrase come from? And when they say the Constitution, you say, would you please read it for me? Because when they go there, they'll never find it. It does not appear anywhere in the Constitution.
0: Yeah, see, this is this is his whole bit. He wants to pretend that it's not in the Constitution at all. It is actually in the Constitution. That specific phrase is used to refer to the Establishment Clause. Separation of church and state is a reference to something else to the specific part of the Constitution we're talking about. Nice little trick you tried to pull on us there, David.
2: The second thing you do is, wait, we just read the Constitution. It says Congress shall make no law. How does a kid praying over their lunch mean the same as Congress making a law?
0: It has nothing to do with that. That's why kids are perfectly free to pray over their lunch. He didn't even go the teacher route. Like if he had said teachers aren't allowed to pray over their lunches, That would have been a little more difficult because students are not representatives of the government, but teachers are. So it would make it a little bit trickier, but still not against the law. Teachers are allowed to pray if they want. They just can't lead students in prayer. Something that was overturned by the Supreme Court recently, by the way. I forget the name of the case. Kennedy v. something. It was recently decided that teachers are allowed to lead students in prayer, which is a disgusting violation of a power imbalance. But, you know, I'm not here to talk about that. Let's just continue listening.
2: And the third thing you ask them is, and by the way, if praying over your lunch is so bad, why did we do it for 180 years under the Constitution?
0: We're still doing it. Nobody is prevented from praying over your lunch. They've been doing it for longer than 180 years. They've been doing it since day one, since the Constitution was written. 1787, I think, is when it was written. 235 years, not 180. Get it right, David.
2: And it's only been in recent years that we have not done that. Did we just invent separation, church, and state? No, it's been there from the beginning, but we've twisted it to mean something that it doesn't mean. So if you ask them those three questions, you can win your argument.
0: I mean, I just debunked every single one of those arguments. It's just completely ridiculous. And the sad thing about this is this guy's been saying this thing, like I said, since the 90s. He's been saying this since the 90s. Not only does he claim to be a constitutional scholar, which, again, is incorrect. As far as I know, he doesn't have a degree in anything at all. Yeah, the guy is, it just writes books. That's it. He just writes books. He's an author. He's not a constitutional scholar. He received a bachelor's of arts degree in religious education from Oral Roberts University, a religious school in 1976. That's it. He doesn't have a law degree, doesn't have anything. He has a four-year degree from a Christian university, ultra-Christian university, and he's masquerading as a constitutional scholar. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So anyway, I think that's probably likely the source, the original source of the claim that there is no separation of church and state in the Constitution. It's nonsense. Oh, And I love the the little outro here, Wall Builders, fantastic. This is a pervasive view within Christianity, not just about the separation of church and state not existing, but the idea that Christians should be controlling government in general. This has been a part of evangelicalism for a while now. This is Tony Spell. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he made a big splash when he refused to keep his church safe during the pandemic, refused to close down no matter what, refused to go virtual, refused to even hold it outside, refused to take the most basic precautions because he just simply doesn't care about his people's lives, I guess. I don't know. He also got himself in hot water by attempting to run over a protester that that was at his church. He got arrested for that. Anyway, a long story short, this guy is a complete nutcase and he had something to say on this subject recently too listen to this one this is from mid April 2022 check this out the past
5: 24 months has been a spiritual battle <laughs> we have been invaded from hell itself to destroy the greatest nation on earth and where did they start they started with the churches let's close the churches
0: yeah he's a he's a mega church pastor thousands of attendees and refused to take even the most basic precautions for the pandemic, the most basic stuff. Wouldn't ask them to wear masks, wouldn't space the chairs out, wouldn't hold service outside, wouldn't hold it on Zoom, wouldn't do anything.
5: Let's silence the voices of the prophets. And and it should be in the United States of America, the prophet, the priests, the prince, and the people.
0: Prophets, priest, prince, people, i.e., himself being a prophet of God, he he believes that he receives divine information from God himself. He is supposed to be passing that information down to like the, the deacons and stuff in the church and the deacons pass it down to the government and the government bases laws on the stuff that the priests are getting from the prophets. And then the people get that information from the government. So he has this very specific idea of the church hierarchy and the governmental hierarchy and how it should operate. The people are at the bottom, the churches is at the top. Just like Lauren Boebert, this is a disturbing level of Christian nationalism, and it is spreading.
5: Isaiah talks about that. There is a divine order. God says, I want to speak to my prophet. He's going to speak to my priests. And then the princes, that's governing bodies, and then the people. Well, today, everything is upside down. You have the people controlling the government.
0: The people, wow. So I guess he doesn't believe in a government for the people, by the people, huh? Tell me you don't like the Constitution without telling me you don't like the Constitution.
5: The government controlling the priests who have silenced the prophets. America's in trouble today. America's in trouble with God.
0: Yeah, so that's Tony Spell. Point is, this view is seeping through the American system right now. America was colonized by people who didn't want to be oppressed by the British religious authorities anymore. A lot of people came to America for religious freedom. They didn't want to be part of the state religion in Britain. And part of the reason they were not so well-liked in Britain was because many of them were religious extremists. They were nutcases. We can see the results of that now. We can see the results of religious extremists coming over here. There are so many religious rejects, effectively, right? They were rejected by the standard church at the time. So they came here for religious freedom, and we can now see the results of them taking power. Disturbing stuff, man. Disturbing stuff. The Founding Fathers were correct to tell people they can't be involved in government. Don't push your way into government. Don't try to regulate anything. There are people of all different backgrounds in the United States, and they all pay taxes, so they all have a right to practice their religion freely. But once you start forcing your religion on the government, that's when we need to draw a line. The Founding Fathers were correct on that point. Hank Kuhneman seems to be of the same mind. Listen to this one. This one is from late November 2021.
6: God is anointing those that are standing up with an incredible boldness and an authority. And yet we still have immature Christians who you say something bold or something that touches on uh, politics and they don't think, well, that shouldn't be mentioned in the church. And my question is, well, then where do you really think that you're going to hear the truth about the culture or about what's happening in your government? Do you think you're going to hear it from the news? You haven't heard it from the news. So let's grow up.
0: So it sounds to me like what he's saying is, the news isn't telling you the truth. They're lying to you and they're trying to trick you. You can't trust mainstream media, basically, until so you have to come to churches to get the real information because mainstream media is lying to you. I mean, this guy is a full-blown extremist. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but if you aren't, stick around because I have another clip coming about uh, coming out about him soon. I mean, I've talked about him a few times on my channel already anyways, but that is just un. That's untold amounts of disconnected from reality, man.
6: Heard it from the news. So let's grow up and realize that there was never a separation between church and state. That is not what our founding fathers intended. In fact, the signing of the declaration was many preachers that caused themselves to come together and get involved in politics.
0: Actually, no, It was one single minister that signed the Declaration of Independence. And uh, what was that he said a second ago? There
6: was never a separation between church and state. That is not what our founding fathers intended.
0: It is, in fact, what they intended, because we have letters from the founding fathers themselves explaining exactly what they intended. And there is a separation of church and state. It's being eroded currently by people like Hank. It feels like, at the moment, Christian nationalism is taking root. It's taking hold. We used to have those protections in place, but at this moment, the Supreme Court seems to be eroding those protections, little by little, day by day. We need to do our best to fight back against this, to the best of our ability. I know it doesn't feel like much, but the least we can do is vote, no matter what. If you don't feel like voting is important, then ask yourself why Elon Musk himself does. Ask yourself why Donald Trump himself, one man, went to the ballot box to vote for himself. Every single vote counts. Every single one. We can vote. We can phone bank for politicians. We can donate to their cause. We can donate to. Uh, we can donate to their campaigns. We have to do our best to drive Christian nationalism out of government. We have to, or it's going to take root. Next, we're going to talk about televangelist Shane Vaughn losing his mind over the January 6th hearings. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Jane Vaughn has always loved Donald Trump, maybe to the point of being in love. It's hard to tell at this point. Well, naturally, since the January 6th hearings started coming out, he's been getting kind of upset over it and he's had some things to say. So I want to catch you up on who he is and show you how seemingly in love with Donald Trump he really is. And then we'll talk about his most recent clip where he criticized some of the witnesses from the January 6th hearings. Check this clip out. This one is from late April 2022.
7: This is about a God that appointed a man. And you see, I've got enough Italian in me to know what loyalty means.
0: Guy's a televangelist, a megachurch pastor, and has, as you can hear, pretty much worked Trump right into his religion. I don't say this about everybody, but I believe that this guy views Donald Trump as equally as important to prophecy or his religious beliefs as Jesus. He's up there.
7: Here's the way it works for me. I love loyalty. Loyalty is a forgotten quality. Donald Trump, you fought for my family. My family will fight for you.
0: How did Donald Trump fight for your family, Shane? Loyalty is earned. If somebody earns my loyalty, then I will have their back through thick and thin. But I'm not loyal to somebody who screws other people over, screws me over, or does something evil or wrong or whatever. I will stick by your side as long as you maintain morals through everything. No matter what, I'll stick by your side. This guy is confusing being loyal with being a sucker. Donald Trump broke the law. Donald Trump betrayed the country. And this guy is willing to be loyal to Trump rather than his own country, his own countrymen.
7: You went in that White House and you made our life better. How? You made our economy better. You
0: made our churches better. How, how, I don't understand how, what did he do? How did Donald Trump make churches better? Just claiming that alone is weird. It is truly very strange.
7: You allowed us the freedom to choose a vaccine if we wanted one or not.
0: Ah, because he was anti-vax originally. That's why he worded it that way. You allowed us the choice of taking a vaccine if we wanted, i.e. Donald Trump created the vaccine, which he didn't, by the way. But this guy believes that Trump created the vaccine and then allowed people to take it if they wanted. That's crazy, man.
5: You
7: fought for our freedom and I'm not about to start second guessing your choices and what you do. If you make a mistake, it'll be on you, sir, but I will be loyal. I'm not a Tino. I'm not a Valentino.
0: Tino being Trumpist in name only. And then he came up with another name, which is Valentino. Okay.
7: I'm not a Valentino. I am a Trump supporter why because god chose the man and i've got sense enough to know it recognize it i know where the blessing is let me tell you something when you find a blessed man when you find a blessed ministry you better plant your feet under that blessing and it will fall down on top of you
0: that is just wow um so that's shane vaughn that's how he feels about trump i feel Comfortable saying it's crossed into in love territory and out of simply love territory. So here's why I want to talk about the guy, okay? There was a January 6th hearing recently held by Congress, and they had Cassidy Hutchinson as a witness. Cassidy Hutchinson was one of the aides in the White House. So there's a guy named Mark Meadows, and he was Donald Trump's chief of staff. Like, he ran everything, basically. Cassidy Hutchinson was Mark Meadows' top aide. So she was like one degree removed from Trump, basically. It went Cassidy Hutchinson, Mark Meadows, Donald Trump. And her office was right there next to the Oval Office. They were all in one little group together, right? So she was right there in it. And she heard all of these plans and all the this stuff that was taking place. So she goes to the January 6th hearing to testify about what she heard about Donald Trump planning an insurrection, basically, right? I just wanted to read a couple of things that we learned from her testimony, because Shane Vaughn talks about her in a second, and is not very kind about it. Here's the first thing we learned. This is on Right Wing Watch. By the way, Right Wing Watch's website, the title of this article is, White House Insider Confirms Trump Did Not Want to Stop Violence, said Pence deserved to be hung. Here's the first point. Trump and Meadows, what Mark Meadows, again, chief of staff for Donald Trump. Trump and Mark Meadows knew there was a significant threat of violence on January 6th. Trump was told January 6th rally goers were armed. He ordered them to the Capitol anyway. He was angry they weren't letting the people that had weapons into the rally, and he tried to get the metal detectors removed so that they would allow them in anyways. And he said, they're not here to hurt me. Of course, implying that he knew that they were there to hurt somebody else. Trump wanted to go to the Capitol so badly that he grabbed the steering wheel and lunged at his Secret Service agent. He was in the car with the Secret Service agent who was driving him back to the White House. And he said, take me to the Capitol. And the Secret Service agent basically said, I'm not taking you to the Capitol. We don't have the resources. We haven't planned it out. It's not safe. And Trump grabs the wheel and says, I'm the fucking president, take me to the Capitol now, is what he told the Secret Service agent. Trump asked Meadows to get in touch with Roger Stone and Michael Flynn to meet with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, the leaders of those two extremist groups. And they did, in fact, communicate with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and plan the events that took place on January 6th. This is pretty damning testimony that she gave. And she was right there. Her office was like two offices away from the Oval Office or something like that. She was on the same floor. She was working with Donald Trump's top aide, his chief of staff. Here's another one. Rioters chanted, hang Mike Pence. Trump thought Pence deserved it. And after finding out that the rioters were chanting, hang Mike Pence, he then tweeted, Mike Pence betrayed us. Team Trump is attempting to influence witness testimony. That was another thing we learned um, from the January 6th hearing. Okay, so she was the key witness in this January 6th hearing. There there have been others. I think we're, uh, I don't know, seven hearings deep now. She was only one of many witnesses that have testified. So what does Shane Vaughn have to say about old Cassidy Hutchinson? I mean, this woman, by the way, she's a Trump supporter. She's a Trumpist. She's a MAGA all the way. She believed in this movement. That's why she was on Trump's staff. That's why she's so high up in the movement, because she believed in it. So what does Shane Vaughn think of her now? This is late June 2022.
7: Little witch, standing there lying on the president of the United States of America, the only legitimate one, and you're sitting there lying through your teeth because you are a witch, you are a rebellious Jezebel.
0: Okay, okay. Interesting, but Shane, what if she's not lying? She was under oath when she said all this stuff. You know who isn't under oath when they're making all their counterclaims? Donald Trump, but this guy will believe absolutely anything that Donald Trump says, and the reason that he's willing to do that, to believe anything he says, no matter what, is because he thinks he was appointed by God to be the president, and he believes biden is a demon in human skin that set out to reverse prophecy and succeeded seemingly that's where we're at that's where shane vaughn is in his head
7: jezebel with your little lazy spirit standing there and you look like you're a walking zombie You you lied you lied you lied you lied we know you lied you know you lied you're a liar
0: Give us an example. Point something out instead of just name-calling. Tell us what she lied about. Tell us exactly what you don't like. Tell us exactly how she lied, what she lied about, and how you know that she lied. He doesn't need evidence. It's not about evidence. It's about the fact that Trump is ordained by God, chosen by God. He's his chosen man to be president. And anybody standing in the way of that works for Satan, or is Satan, or is a demon. So that's, uh, that's Shane Vaughn's take on the January 6th situation. It's truly sad that this guy is so deep in his head and so willing to back somebody up who doesn't give a shit about him. This guy has always viewed Trump as equal to Jesus, practically. Listen to this clip of Shane Vaughn. This is early May, 2021. He makes a few comparisons that are a little more over the line than I'm comfortable with. At this point, Trump had been banned from Facebook and Twitter, I believe, and they were trying to find a way around that. They were trying to find some way to, like, parrot his message for him or something. Check this one out.
7: We need 100,000 patriots to become reporters for Donald Trump. Get his words out there since they wanted to be so smart that they wound up being stupid. Because they made the same mistake that Satan made when he killed Jesus Christ.
0: Uh, short, small correction there, Shane. Satan did not kill Jesus. God sent Jesus back to earth to die for people's sins, didn't he? Jesus was not killed by Satan. Just want to make sure we got this straight. Kind of a weird thing to hear from a preacher, from a televangelist, who claims to be a religious leader, right? Not only that, you know what else this guy claims? I was a doctor of theology. I was the youngest ordained evangelist in America
7: at 14 years old.
0: Needless to say, the youngest ordained minister was not 14. They were four years old. It's a guy named Marjo. Shane Vaughn was not the youngest ordained minister in America or the world or anywhere else, honestly. Nor does he have a doctorate in theology. I feel this is evidence enough that he's sitting here telling us that Jesus was killed by Satan theologically and historically incorrect Shane
7: that Satan made when he killed Jesus Christ by killing that one man and killing his voice he created a world full of little Christians that echo the message of Christ see stupid on the devil's part the Bible says had Satan known what was going to happen he would never have
0: crucified Jesus where does it say that can you give me a chapter and verse there old buddy I don't remember that part of the Bible weird
7: to happen he would never have crucified Jesus Christ because what he did was he started a harvest of Christians that echo the message he only had one man to deal with now he's got a whole population full of us same thing they're doing with Trump let him crucify him, but we're now the echo
0: see this is another comparison to Jesus that's weird how many comparisons is this guy gonna make to Jesus
7: And we're going to put it on every page, every Twitter account, everything we got now because the oversight board didn't rule that we couldn't share Trump content. It's allowed on Facebook for now anyway. So take advantage of it while we can. I'm ordaining all of you right now as evangelists of the Trump revival.
0: Honestly, dude, 16 too many comparisons between Trump and Jesus this guy truly honestly really does to the bottom of his heart believe that trump is basically the new messiah equally as important in god's plan as jesus was this is bizarre stuff check this one out early april 2022
7: he is the hammer of yahweh for the nation of israel
0: he's talking about donald trump the hammer of yahweh for the nation of israel and also he's talking about america He believes that America is the new Israel. As a matter of fact, that clip I played just a second ago, there's another part to it that I didn't play.
7: Every signer of the Declaration of Independence were descendants of the tribes of Israel. Israel. We can trace it. We know it.
0: No. No, that's completely incorrect.
7: And he wrote down, we are going, he wrote a course, to new Israel, new Israel. New Israel, and when they came off the ship, they didn't plant an American flag, they planted the Christian flag Mm -hmm. on the soil they dedicated. George Washington knelt and prayed, dedicated America where the Twin Towers stand or stood. That's where America came into covenant with Yahweh, with God, was where the Twin Towers stand. Wow.
1: That's something.
7: That is where George Washington prayed, right? There's a chapel right outside the Twin Towers where George Washington, that picture of him praying by the horse, that's where it happened. That's where he dedicated our nation in covenant to God. If you will make us a great nation, deliver us from tyranny, then we will serve you. And he gave the nation to God at that point.
0: So the covenant with God is no longer between God and Israel. It's between God and America. He believes this place, America, to be the new Israel. That's what he calls it. So when you hear him say what he said a second ago here.
7: He is the hammer of Yahweh for the nation of Israel.
0: He's talking about America. He thinks that America is the is new Israel.
7: Round and round we go. He says it was stolen because the hammer of the Lord keeps beating at the rock to reveal the rot.
0: Am I reading this correctly? I think what he's saying is the hammer of the Lord keeps beating at America to expose the rot. So I think he's saying God made the Democrats cheat in the election so that it would expose them for what they are. Cheaters, basically. Right. Is that am I reading this correctly? Well. If I remember, I think you said, Shane, that Donald Trump was guaranteed to win the election because God told it to you in prophecy, right? And here we are with no Trump as the president. Kind of weird, right? Is God making Trump lose or is God making Trump win? Which one is it? It can only be one.
7: You could say that the United States political system is in for a pounding and the name of that Trump is Don. The name of that Trump is Donald. That's why God said through his servant, Kim Clement, I will raise up the next president. His name will be Donald.
0: Yeah. Kim Clement is a Supposed prophet who claimed or prophesied that Donald Trump was going to win the election. I think he claimed that in, I don't know, 2009 or 10 or something. Yeah. Big surprise. Donald Trump, this big famous billionaire who's been talking about running for president. Big surprise. He's going to run for president one of these days. You know what? I actually have that clip. Let me see when it was. Yeah, this actually was 2007, I think, when Kim Clement made this claim that Trump was eventually going to run for president. And he made a lot of other very specific claims about Donald Trump and whether or not he was going to win and what was going to happen when he did and the things that he was going to say and blah, blah, blah. Half of his claims were wrong. The other half were right. It, it was hit or miss. But Shane Vaughn's going with the old Texas sharpshooter fallacy. Pick out the hits and claim that they were revealed by God and ignore the misses. Texas sharpshooter fallacy.
7: Do you know why God told that to Kim Clement in 14? Because He had told it to us in 09. I will raise up a hammer. And now He finishes that prophecy. I will raise up a man by the name of Donald. And the good news is, ladies and gentlemen... God raised up that hammer, pounded away at the United States and saved America temporarily, holding back the agenda of the left. But the enemy came back in and now Donald Trump must return to finish his work. But it will be after war. This is going to be a war like you've never seen.
0: Yeah, so that's Shane Vaughn, the guy. Is too emotionally invested in Donald Trump. You shouldn't be this emotionally invested in anything or anybody, honestly. The only way to get to this point is to have like a religious belief about somebody or something. Like, people do not get this emotional over strawberry shortcake, people don't get this emotional over toaster scrambles. It doesn't happen because it's not a religious belief. Mix religion into things and people will get downright homicidal, which seems to be what happened with Shane Vaughn here. So here's my question. Trumpism has obviously incorporated itself into religion, but is Trumpism going to become a new theology, a new religion, and persist after Trump dies or after this generation of people die out? Is it going to persist into a second generation is it going to die out or is it going to retain its status as a religion indefinitely i mean who who the hell was jesus just some dude right and somehow some gigantic religion formed up out of that evangelicals have effectively made donald trump part of their theology i mean we see an example of it right here is that going to persist into the next generation or is it going to die off with donald trump let me know what you think in the comments Next, we're going to talk about Nick Fuentes, political ally of Marjorie Taylor Greene, laying out exactly what he wants the country to look like, a Christian nationalist hellscape. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. This is Nick Fuentes, and he held a pretty influential conference back in February. It was called AFPAC, America First Political Action Conference. If you don't know who he is, you will in a second. Watch who he introduces on stage.
3: We have a new mystery speaker tonight who I'll be announcing to you right now. Very exciting. She is a standard bearer of Trumpism in the US Congress. She is pro-life. She is proudly America first. And I want to say a very special thank you to Milo Yiannopoulos for making this happen. He made this happen. He put it together. But thanks to him, we are honored. We are humbled and excited to welcome to the stage right now for our first speech. And we love to get to know her much better. I think this is going to be the beginning of something great.
0: God, this guy's a chatty Kathy, isn't he? Just get to it, man
3: the representative from Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene.
1: Cancelled Americans.
0: Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She showed up at this place, AFPAC. By doing so, she legitimized everybody there. Nick Fuentes is already a pretty influential political operative. Uh, He's up there with Milo Yiannopoulos and others. Um, Of course, Milo Yiannopoulos, if you're unaware, he is now working as one of Marjorie Taylor Greene's staff members, as an intern, I think, at Capitol Hill. Disturbing stuff, man. Disturbing stuff. Deeply disturbing stuff. So I wanted to show you this because Nick Fuentes had some weird things to say. She is obviously political allies with him. Enough that she's willing to speak at his conference. So let's take a look at some of the things that Nick Fuentes has had to say recently about what's happening in the U.S. at this moment. This is late June 2022. Listen to what Nick Fuentes had to say.
3: That is precisely what we intend to do is to impose Christian laws on everyone in the United States of America. That is what we have to do as Christians. We have to make sure that like the moon reflects the sun, the state reflects the church.
0: This is just a deeply disturbing view to me. This is turning the United States into the Christian Taliban. That's what they're trying to do. There is no line between church and state. He is specifically setting out to erase the line between church and state. He wants this to be a theocracy. That is the goal.
3: We have to make sure that our normative laws and the laws that are passed by the government reflect the natural and the moral laws written by God. That is our job as Christians. Now, how do you coexist in the government with atheists or Jews that say that pornography is okay? And actually it's our right to do that. It's our right to, to watch it. It's our right to make it. And and those are and the freedom to do that is our is the end of society. You can't share though, you can't share those two values.
0: See, Here's the problem. We're not sharing values like that. Like nobody is trying to share these values with you. All we expect you to do is exactly what we do. If you want to go to church and act like a nutter butter, you are perfectly free to. I'm not going to stop you. I don't believe that stuff. I don't intend to go to church, but I'm not going to try to prevent you from going. We live in a society together. How is this flying right over this dude's head? There are Muslims in this country, there are Jews, there are atheists, there are Christians. There are people of all different backgrounds and stripes. People of all sorts in the United States, and we all pay taxes into the government. Thus, the government cannot favor one group of people over another. It can't. Well, it can, and they're trying to make it. So that's where Nick Fuentes is. It gets even worse. Keep listening.
3: Those two values. And the same goes for feminism, and the role of women, and the same goes for homosexuality, and same-sex relationships, as well as transgenderism. Can a person go from one gender to another, and drugs? And it it really is about everything in the society. These things are in conflict. And this is going to be one of the biggest problems, I think, is that... The Jewish people wield this immense influence even over the Republican Party and the conservative movement.
0: He doesn't want anybody except for white Christians to control things. That's one of the more disturbing aspects to this. This is just absolutely disturbing stuff, man. We live in a shared society. We all live here. We all have to coexist. He doesn't want to coexist. He wants supremacy. I hope to live to see the day when Christian supremacy is viewed as negatively as white supremacy is generally. Just disturbing stuff, man. The guy is proud of it. Listen to this next one, uh, late June, 2022, same time.
3: There should only be Christian countries and that is because Christianity is correct. Some might say everybody's entitled to their own opinion and every, everybody can express their own religion and so people can have their own countries. And I would agree with that if Christianity weren't true, but we know that it is.
0: Well, see, that's the thing. We don't know that it is. You claim to know that it is. Nobody else in this equation agrees with you. Again, Marjorie Taylor Greene went to this guy's conference and spoke there. He is influential. He has things to say and people are listening. This is the stuff that the far right is saying. It's not the moderates in the Republican Party that feel this way necessarily. The problem is the far right is running the Republican Party right now. There is no moderate wing. Mitt Romney is widely hated by the Republican Party, despised. Adam Kinzinger, hated by the Republicans. They don't like him. He identifies as a Republican. They don't want him to be a part of it. The Republican Party is an extremist party now. There is no moderate to this group anymore. There used to be, no longer. This guy is a far-right extremist, and he speaks what is on the mind of the rest of the party members at this point. They are radicalized.
3: Christianity weren't true, but we know that it is. And so if that's the case, why should other countries be allowed to be wrong? Why Why should countries persist? Why should there be governments and peoples in a world?
0: Uh, that's called freedom. There was a time when Republicans used to at least pretend to be in favor of freedom. They used to say that they wanted more freedom. That time is long gone. They don't even talk about freedom anymore. They don't want freedom. They want to impose their beliefs onto you at the barrel of a gun. That's where we're at right now. This is the Republican Party's position. This is in the Texas platform. This kind of idea. These kinds of things can be found in the Texas Republican platform for the year. They want a Christian nationalist state. They don't want atheists here. They don't want Jews here. And if they are here, they don't want them in government. That's where we're at now.
3: What, do they want to be wrong? We have all these countries that are gonna just empty out into hell when they go away. Uh, these countries are just places where the floor opens up and everybody falls into hell and they die. Uh, no i no, I don't actually think that's a good idea at all. So we'll start with America. I think America is a good start. We're gonna reclaim America for Christ, retake America for Christians, and if people have a problem with that, they can. You know, they can stay and live under it or they can go somewhere else where they have different rules. And then we're going to follow you to those countries and we're going to make those countries the same way and you are going to become a Christian. Uh, And if you don't, well, you're just going to have to live in a Christian world. But that's really the only way that it should be.
0: This is Christian nationalism. This is the exact mindset that started the Crusades. This is the exact... Frame of mind that got them there and this is the republican party this is the republican platform this is an extremist platform obviously we can all recognize that that's the republican way now there are no moderates left listen to this one just a few minutes later he said this if
3: ruth bader ginsburg a jewish woman didn't die last year so that amy coney barrett a catholic woman could be appointed to the bench we would still have Roe versus Wade. Now you tell me that this is a Judeo-Christian country. Now you tell me that this is a Judeo-Christian movement. You tell me that it doesn't matter that you have a lot of these Jewish people in government. Tell me that it doesn't matter after a decision like this.
0: So, he seems to believe that Ruth Bader Ginsburg's problem was the fact that she was Jewish, not that she was liberal apparently, if you're Jewish, then you are liberal by default. Because if you're a Christian, then you're Republican by default. I guess that's how he views things. That is, God, I don't even know, dude. That is just bizarre.
3: Tell me that with a straight face, that it doesn't matter that we had a court that had four Jewish people on it, and we had subtract one Jewish woman and increase one Catholic woman... And now Roe versus Wade is overturned and 100 million Americans will live in states with no abortion because of that change. Because we had a Jewish woman and now we have a Catholic woman. Tell me religion doesn't matter. Tell me that this dispute between Judeo and Christian doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. It makes all the difference.
0: I guess he's trying to convince people to only vote for the Christians and not vote for the Jewish people. He's taken us down a disturbing road, man. It's not just him. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene, it's Lauren Boebert, and it's any number of other politicians in government right now. Nearly every Republican Party official in Texas, nearly every Republican Party official in Congress, in the Senate, in the House, they are not denouncing this stuff. They agree with this stuff in large part.
3: This is why it's Christian nationalism. We need a government of Christians. We need a conservative movement, a nationalist movement led by Christians that obey the Bible and obey God and serve Jesus Christ. Tell me why we need people in government that don't serve Jesus Christ. Is that the argument? Well, here, Nick, here's why we need Jewish people in government that don't serve Jesus. Sorry, you're never going to win that argument. You're never going to convince me that we need people in government that don't serve Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You'll never convince me of that. Insofar as there's one God, and he has one Son, and there is one way to salvation and one way to the truth, then that's the way that the people running our society and writing the laws need to be. And no other way. We want to live in a Christian country with Christian rulers and Christian legislators and Christian judges and Christian law and Christians. And Jewish people can be here, but they can't make our laws.
0: Yeah, he wants a Christian nationalist state and he's not being shy about that. That is disturbing on so many levels. This is where the right is right now. This is what they want. This is the plan. This is the ideal. We have to vote these people out. We must. We must reestablish the separation of church and state. And if we don't, we're going to live under a Christian nationalist state like this guy has been describing for the past couple of minutes. That's where we're headed at this moment. I think I'm probably going to be here for the duration. I'm going to stick it out to the bitter end up until the moment that they illegalize me speaking my mind, basically. If they erase freedom of speech, if they impose laws on, on us that prevents me from doing my job, which is to say, criticizing them, then I may have to leave. I may, At that point, I may decide to move to Canada or New Zealand, but I'm not going to stop talking about this because this is a society-wide problem. This is a worldwide problem. Yes, it's happening in the United States right now, but it's going to spread everywhere else if we don't stop it here. If we ignore it, if we don't talk about it, it's going to spread that's what I wanted to show you as far as Nick Fuentes goes but take a look at this this is part of Marjorie Taylor Greene's speech at AFPAC at Nick Fuentes's conference that he held back in February check check this out
1: my name is Marjorie Taylor Greene I am the daughter of the King the one true living God the Alpha the Omega our father in heaven and I am a forgiven sinner washed in the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Why are they so weird? Why do they say such strange things 24-7? Why are they always talking about washing things in blood? It is so deeply creepy, man. They're yelling, Christ is king. Praise God.
1: Amen. Christ is king.
0: Yeah, this is just absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. There are a bunch of other clips from AFPAC that I have, actually. Uh, Again, AFPAC is Nick Fuentes' conference. It stands for America First Political Action Conference. They have a committee, too, political action. It's like a super PAC or whatever. I don't think it's a super PAC. It's a PAC, though political pack. Um here's a clip of Marjorie Taylor Green being called out for being associated with Nick Fuentes. This was shortly after her appearance at AFPAC.
1: But I'm glad to talk to you about this. I do not know Nick Fuentes. I've never heard him speak. I've never seen a video.
0: Complete BS. She just went to AFPAC and was invited to speak there by Nick Fuentes. She was introduced onto the stage by him. He gave a speech directly before her. It's nonsense.
1: I've never seen a video. I don't know what his views are, so I'm not aligned with anything that may be controversial. What I can tell you is I went to his event last night to address his very large following, because that is a young, it's a very young following, and it's a generation I'm extremely concerned about. It's a white national. Excuse me. Excuse me a minute. I'll tell you exactly why I went. I went to talk to them about American First policy, and I talked to them about what's important for
0: yeah it's a white nationalist group that's very true uh she should not have gone to that that is just wrong and evil on so many levels just by showing up she's giving them legitimacy and she knows that and so do they that's why they invited her in the first place she lent them her credibility what credibility she has of course afpac took place shortly after the ukrainian war started Shortly after Putin invaded Ukraine, completely unprovoked, listen to what they had to say about that war at AFPAC. This is Nick Fuentes again.
3: That's what we call the secret ingredient. America and the world has forgotten about them, but not us. You know, they say about America, they say, diversity is our strength, you know. And I look at China and I look at Russia, who can we give a round of applause for Russia? Yes.
0: Cheering for Putin after he started a war against Ukraine.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, but I take a look around the world. I look at Russia. I look at China. You know, China, they're editing their babies to be smarter, strong.
0: No. They're not. That is illegal, and it doesn't even work most of the time, and it's flawed science, and nobody does that. That's complete nonsense.
3: Smarter, stronger, faster. Russia, they're invading countries. They took out the whole Ukrainian...
0: No, they didn't take anything out in Ukraine. Like, they're paying for every mile of territory they take right now. Because Ukraine's kicking their ass, honestly. But aside from that, why are you cheering this? Why are you proud of this? Why is this good? These are the types of people Marjorie Taylor Greene works with and talks to. This is her ideology. This is what she believes in. But, but... I rest easy
3: at night knowing that America has diversity.
0: (laughs) Of course, it's a white nationalist group, so they don't want diversity of any sort. They want white Christians. White Christians and nobody else. So anyway, that's the far right. Unfortunately, there is no moderate right right now. They are all far right. The Republican Party is far right as a party. This is who we're dealing with now, and this is their goal. They've stated it clearly. We know exactly what to expect from them at this point. They want to turn this into a Christian nation. Maybe they don't want to kick atheists and Jews out, but they want to kick them out of government. That's for sure. And that is a disturbing step for the Republican Party. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen. And I will talk to you next week.